Hello and welcome to the Helix Reviews Podcast. My name is David Arrington, bringing you reviews from a Christian geek worldview. And today on the show, I'm going to be talking about my favorite things of 2022. And so I'm going to be talking about my favorite movies, my favorite TV shows, and my favorite video games. Uh, I, I normally do music too, but I'm actually going to save music for a separate episode this year. Uh, just because there's there's quite a bit of music that I, I want to talk about and some stuff like that. So I'm going to save that for a separate episode. And uh, we're just going to dive into... Video games first. First video games, then TV shows, and we're going to finish it off with my favorite movies. Video games is probably going to be the shortest category this year, just because uh, I didn't play a lot of games that came out in 2022, uh, because I am a console generation behind, and it seems like we're getting to that point where less and less games really are coming to the PlayStation 4, and, and a more significant amount of games are really coming to the PlayStation 5 and that generation of console, and so... I didn't get to get play games like Gotham Knights, which just came out recently, or Plague Tale Requiem, or uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. Those were some games that I was very much looking forward to this year. Uh, came out, and I didn't get to play them because they're all in the next generation of console. So everything I'm going to be talking about was came out on this generation of console. Uh, and that said, uh, the, the list here is not going to be very long. I only have seven entries on the list here because uh, these are basically, hey, these are the games I played and the ones that I liked. And you could uh, even not count number seven once you see what this one is. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, normally with these, I do break it down more into categories, best action, best this, best that kind of thing. Uh, just because of the, the low amount of games that I played that came out this year, I'm not going to do that for this category. I'm going to do it for TV shows and for movies once we get to those but this one it's just going to be a top 10 list or a top seven list in this instance let's get into it number seven's kind of a cheat too just because i threw a few games onto here that uh, this is the random multiplayer games that i played a little bit of had a good enough time with but didn't play enough to for it to really get a spot on this list necessarily so for example uh rumbleverse which is like a wrestling battle royale game bizarre concept but honestly it was like oh that's kind of neat i could definitely see some people getting into this but i ultimately didn't multiverses this is a, uh, a smash kind of game where uh fighting game smash ultimate uh, super mario brothers smash whatever you call that kind of game played a little bit of it and it, again it's it's a free release and it, it, it i don't know it, it felt kind of cheap to me i don't know i'm not super into this type of game i do like the super smash bros that's the name of it i do like those those kind of games but ultimately this one i played a little bit of and i was like yeah you know it's all right but uh, it seems like podcasts and stuff that i listened to were saying hey we really like this so you know okay there uh death verse let it die a free multiplayer game here i played the first let it die uh some and i had a good time with it and i thought it was pretty fun i didn't realize that this i guess is this a sequel or is this a spinoff what is this because the first one was not like multiplayer type game it was like i at least i played it all single player and it was like story somewhat story progression level progression type game not multiplayer this is very much multiplayer battle royale ish type game uh and it's it's interesting that there, there 
there's some interesting elements to it, but I, I just I mean, I'm kind of disappointed in the fact that it's not just a sequel to the the first game, which is more what I was interested in when I saw that it was there and free and I downloaded it, you know. Resident Evil Reverse. This is the multiplayer game from Resident Evil where you uh, play as the Resident Evil characters, but then when you get killed by a different player, uh, you turn into one of the monsters. So you turn into Nemesis or Mr. X or, or some of these monsters from the Resident Evil lore. Pretty cool. I played a few rounds of this. I had a decent enough time. It was fun. If I could play it split screen with my brother, I definitely would. I don't think that there is a split screen option though. Uh, and you know, it, it was pretty fun. It was pretty decent, but it ultimately wasn't anything I got into way too deeply. But if, if you're into Resident Evil and you played Resident Evil 8, which this comes with, I believe, or does it, do you have to get the DLC? I don't remember if you have to get the DLC or not for this, but this is a, a fun time. This is worth checking out for sure. Uh, Sniper Elite 5. This game, actually, I, I played one match of this. This is on my brother's console, and I played one match of this while uh, when me and him were going to play something, and then he was off doing something, so I started, and I played a match of this, and you could invade other players' games, and so it was like the this player was like in this field trying to... Uh, I don't know, do something in the field and I snuck up on him and I shot him and killed him while he was trying to go do his mission and stuff and it was like super cool like that that's such a cool idea and it was really fun to do uh, but I only I literally only played one mission and so I was like you know and then I don't I don't own the game actually so uh, that's that's my only experience but my only experience with it is extremely positive I thought it was a really cool idea <laughs> Um, and then finally for my random multiplayer's game entry here, uh, Overwatch 2, uh, this game is fun, I, I guess if I was to choose one, this is the one that I had the most fun with and I probably played the most out of all these, that said, I find Overwatch 2 pretty stupid because it is just the first game again, and I don't mean that in like a, uh, Call of Duty, you know, all the Call of Duty games are kind of the same because it's all the, you know, team deathmatch, everybody going around shooting each other kind of thing. I'm not even in that way. It literally is just like the same game. A lot of the same exact maps, the same characters, a lot of the just like the same everything seemingly with just some new stuff added in there too and there's no like i thought they were teasing like some kind of single player or like story type mode to it but that's not in here it really it just seems like it's the exactly the same as the first game only now it's called two and so i don't understand it that said overwatch is a very fun game and now it's free so I would definitely recommend checking it out. It's it's a fun game. So, okay, all those are my number seven. <laughs> now let's get into my actual list here that's not just a bunch of random stuff thrown together here. Uh, number six, The Quarry. Uh, this is Supermassive's latest game. This is the creator of Until Dawn and the, uh, the Dark Pictures anthology games. So very story-based, choice-based kind of games. Uh, this one was decent this one was pretty good it's uh i do think that this has less interaction than most of these games like i defend these type of games because uh people say oh man these type of games they're just you know the, all it is is the story there's no good gameplay or anything like that but i, I kind of defend these type of games because it's like the gameplay that i like in these games is the dialogue choices and the choices that you make that that change the story around and all this kind of stuff that the really cool stuff like that this one it did seem like there was less choices and there was a lot more sections where you're just kind of sitting there watching it instead of actually doing stuff uh, so uh, i 
I mean, maybe maybe it is comparable to Until Dawn and stuff in that respect, uh, as far as how much of playtime versus watch time it is and stuff, but it seems like it was heavier on the watch time and less on the playtime to me, uh, which does bring it down on the list. That said, it is still kind of that choice-based kind of gameplay that I do enjoy from this style of game. Uh, number five, Resident Evil Village uh, Shadow of Rose. This is the DLC for Resident Evil Village. That's right, I'm including some DLCs on the list here to pad this list out because this is there's there. I didn't play enough games this year for to make this list. Uh, <laughs> that said, I think this was a really good DLC. This, this is a good story-based DLC to Resident Evil Village. Uh, following the events that happen well well the events that are kind of teased at the very end of the game we we get a glimpse of some stuff at the very end of the game i won't spoil it i guess but this is following that and it's kind of based around that and uh, i think it was really well done i i think it, it uh, definitely it it reveals a few things about the the future of the games but it also leaves a lot open for them to really go anywhere they want to as far as the the Resident Evil in the future you know so i'm i'm very curious where this is going to lead to uh and yeah yeah it's good stuff i i definitely recommend if you if you liked the Resident Evil village there's some really good stuff there's a really really creepy part in this too the the creepiness in this DLC rivals some of the creepiest parts in the the main game so if that's your jam like this dlc has that kind of stuff for you too very good uh number four i have the far cry 6 dlc the villain dlc they had dlc uh, this came out right at the beginning of the year because far cry 6 came out at the end of last year the dlc with the villains so you got the father you have Voss, and you have i forget the the name of the villain from far cry 4 but you have the the villain from far cry uh, 3, 4, and 5 here, as you play as those characters, you get a little bit more into their head, you get a little bit more knowledge of to who they are, you go through their life. Pagan. Pagan is the name of the, uh, the, the villain in Far Cry 4. I remember that now because he, he definitely was a pagan, that is accurate. Um, <laughs> but the villains really are kind of the, the best, as far as characters and story goes, they're, they're the best part of the Far Cry games, and so getting a deeper dive into those characters I think is good, and then honestly I really enjoyed the gameplay in here. Uh, a little bit more like a uh, roguelike type game where every time you die it somewhat resets the world. That said, you, you'd still do progress Progress, you get more guns, you get more stuff, and then uh, until eventually you can you can do enough things in the world to progress the the story and have some kind of conclusion which with each of these villains. And I think it was really well done. The really really solid DLC. I, I really enjoyed the the villain DLC for Far Cry Six. Uh, number three, Horizon Forbidden West. Now we're getting into the actual games once we get to, like, number three, basically. Uh, <laughs> Horizon Forbidden West, the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, very good. A, a very good sequel. I think a better game than the original one, and it, it uh, definitely... Uh, it, it really was like trying to go for different things storyline wise, which I think is cool. The gameplay is very similar, very, very much the same, though. I think I enjoyed it a little bit more. I remember thinking that the, the, the gameplay felt a little bit lackluster in the original game. Like I enjoyed it, but it's like, I, I thought it could have had a little bit more. And this one, maybe it was just cause I was expecting that 
that what I what I remember experiencing in the first game, and so the, it surpassed that expectation. But I, I enjoyed the gameplay very much this time around. The the fighting the robotic dinosaurs, shooting off the the pieces in order to take them down, and all this kind of stuff. A very fun uh, concept, and they definitely pushed the science fiction elements in this game way more than they did in the first one and stuff, which is already a, a very science fiction kind of game. And so yeah, I, I really enjoyed Horizon Forbidden West. Good stuff. Uh, number Number two, Dying Light 2, Stay Human. Definitely enjoyed this one more than the first game. Very fun uh, kind of parkouring around the city, uh, fighting the zombies, the, the dynamic between the uh, the night the nighttime d zombies versus the daytime zombies is fun and uh, yeah this this was just a very fun game uh, definitely I, I think definitely a step up from the first game and I I hope they continue this series like I don't think I even finished the first game this game I I finished and I was like yeah that that was really good this is a really solid zombie game uh, yeah good stuff number one by far by a mile is God of War Ragnarok. Oh my goodness, I loved this game. This game, I, I just played this very recently. Uh, I'm, I, I, I've been thinking, I mean, man, I need to do a review on this and I have like some notes and stuff. And so I still am going to do, I think I'm going to do a review of it uh, probably as the next episode or two upcoming right here. But it's, it's getting to the point where it's like, uh, teetering on, has it been too long since I finished playing it to do this review or not, but I'll try to get that review out to you guys soon. This game is amazing, man. This game, it, the, the gameplay is just phenomenally fun. It very much is still the gameplay from that original first game. So if you liked the, uh, 2018, I think 2018 God of War game gameplay wise, very similar, but extremely fun throwing the ax and all that kind of stuff. And the, the blades of chaos and all that extremely fun to play with Kratos and those, uh, the, the story is amazing this is like top tier top level storytelling in video games this is like storytelling at its best in gaming is god of war ragnarok this is like this is up here with like the the last of us and stuff as far as just about as good as you can possibly make a game story inside a video game in my opinion just absolutely phenomenal and just a a fantastic, fantastic game. And, it, and in case you were like worried about, hey, is this going to run very well on the previous generation of console on PlayStation 4 instead of uh, PlayStation 5, which is probably the main push for where they're trying to sell this game? Uh, it totally does. It totally works just fine on the PlayStation 4 console. So if that's what you're worried about, don't worry about it. In my opinion, I, I thought it worked great. All right, TV show time gonna run down the list of tv shows here that i've seen but then now this time it's not just a list this time i'm gonna have the categories so i don't usually have negative categories the only negative category pretty much that i have for tv shows here is the movie or the tv show that i should have seen but didn't end up watching so the the runners up on that uh lock and keith season three came out and i didn't end up watching that uh, i enjoyed the first two seasons it's not anything revolutionary or amazing but it's something that i was definitely intrigued to kind of keep going on and so that's one that I'll, I'll probably watch at some point in the future afterlife season two i really enjoyed the first season didn't really think there needed to be another season and then when it came to watching it i just didn't i, I just 
kind of ended up not watching it, I guess, because I felt like I, I had my fill of what that was trying to give me. And so, eh, you know, okay. Uh, Chucky season two, I didn't watch. I, I just actually recently, a, a while ago, I guess, watched season one of Chucky. I, I really enjoyed it. Like, if you enjoy the Child's Play movies and stuff, this definitely uh, fits into that cla- the classic Child's Play movie style, you know. And, and this, uh, it's pretty fun. It's pretty enjoyable. Uh, definitely have some woke kind of garbage in there. But uh, but it is a, a fun series, and I, I didn't get to see the second season yet. Uh, but the one that I pick, the, the, my main entry, those are the runner-ups. My pick here is uh, The Walking Dead Season 11. The final season of The Walking Dead happened, and I actually got AMC Plus in order to watch this series. I, I like, got it just recently, right near the end of the year, and then when the year turned over, uh, The Walking Dead left AMC+, and I guess it went to Netflix. And so then I was like, oh, psh, what in the world? I literally, I got it for the, I did the free trial for a month or whatever, and I still have it right now. It's going to end really soon. But I was like, wh- seriously, what in the world? Like, y- you you have AMC+, and you don't have The Walking Dead on there? How is that even possible? What else is the, wa- the AMC other than The Walking Dead? I mean, there's a lot of, there's other shows that they have. But, I mean, that's, like, their main thing, and they're still trying to make that their main thing with all the Walking Dead spinoffs and everything, so how do you not have The Walking Dead on your <laughs> streaming service? Come on. Anyway, I should have seen this, and I am very excited to watch it once it finally comes out on DVD or onto a streaming service that I actually have. My other negative one, I guess, here is the, the biggest misstep season of an otherwise great show. I only have one for this. And it's The Boys Season 3. Uh, I watched the first two seasons of The Boys, and I enjoyed them. They can be a bit crass. They can be a bit extreme, you know. Uh, but but that is kind of a part of the series. This one, to me, just the, the right off the bat, pretty much in the first a- episode of this new season, they're just, they, they put some of the most explicit stuff I've, like, ever seen in a TV show in there. And and I was just going, why why are we doing this? Why, like, like the, the part of that series that I really enjoy is not necessarily that limit pushing type of stuff and so uh when they're just like and then you know i I recently just heard that okay with season four we're gonna be pushing the you know the grossest thing yet and all this kind of stuff and i'm just like i don't that's not the to me that's not what makes the series good The, the to me what makes the series good is the the characters is these insane superheroes and supervillains and stuff that are just kind of very unconventional from what you normally see in the superhero stuff and so it's just like it yeah i i think i'm done with the boys unfortunately i started watching season 3 and i i i think i've just had enough of that it's it's unfortunate cuz the, the first, especially the first season, but the first couple seasons, I did really enjoy, uh, despite some of extreme stuff that I think went a little bit more extreme than it needed to, um, you know, and, and just, eh, you know, nah, okay. The TV show that I most wish wasn't canceled, I only have one on this one as well, and that is the Resident Evil series. Uh, I thought that was actually a fairly solid series. Uh, you know, I, it seemed to get mixed reviews as far as the reviews go, but I, I thought that was a fairly solid series, and I enjoyed uh, seeing, like, Wesker and, and some of the characters in there that popped up from the games that I thought was pretty cool. Um, and, and plus, having some of the big monster-type stuff from the games popping up in here, too, you know, I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was pretty neat. Uh, but, but apparently not enough people did and they canceled it. Best hero 
Okay, so the runner-ups here, I have the Sandman from the Sandman series, and I have Werewolf at Night from the Werewolf at Night episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm counting Werewolf at Night as a TV show, even though it's basically just a one-off episode, single episode kind of thing. I'm, I'm counting it in the TV show section because it's basically one episode of a TV show. That's how I'm going to handle those spin-off one-episode Marvel things that they're they're doing nowadays. Both of those characters, I really like. the. I, th I think he was a very fun character. I would love to see more with the, the Werewolf of Night character. Uh, but the best hero of my choice here is Moon Knight. Oh my goodness, what, what a great introduction to a new Marvel character here. I, I hope they bring this guy into the movies. I hope they bring Oscar Isaac and, and Moon Knight into the movies because he did such a phenomenal job with this. Have the whole multi-personality thing that they're doing here the little bit more sensitive and goofy kind of version of him and the darker more serious and all this kind of that that dynamic is fantastic uh oscar isaac just making him so likable and such a fun and entertaining character and just absolutely phenomenal like the, he can deserves you know as far as this character goes in my opinion he deserves to go right in there with the rest of the avengers as just a phenomenal character that is really entertaining and fun to watch best villain so the runner-ups here i have uh wesker from the resident evil series uh, again i thought he was pretty cool popping up in there uh in the sandman series you got this uh tooth-eyed man that that he takes his sunglasses off and he's got teeth for eyes very disturbing a dude is very creepy man he he plays such a kind of unnerving creepy villain that uh he's very well done in that series but my pick here is valak from stranger things for uh this kind of creature monster person looking thing that comes from the upside down and is like he kind of starts off as like this slasher villain type of character like a jason or something you know like just coming out and killing people and they're going what in the world is going on but then they they like give him a little bit more mythos they give him a little bit more intrigue and you end up like he, they they do some really interesting things with Valak, I think, that I uh, really enjoyed in Stranger Things 4. Best action scene, uh, so some runner-ups here. In Stranger Things 4, speaking of that, uh, there is, I guess this is somewhat spoilers for the fourth season of Stranger Things, so spoiler warning for Stranger Things uh, 4. There's a scene where Hopper is in a gladiatorial arena with a demigorgon along with some other guys and that demigorgon just coming out of there and wrecking shop and and, <laughs> and Hopper and his friend just barely getting out of there alive is like really well done, really exciting. Uh Love, Death, and Robots has a scene with a giant crab that is attacking a ship that is very, uh, kind of insane and scary and, and really cool. And, uh, my pick here, though, is from Moon Knight. Uh, this is the, it's, uh, the first time that he's changing back and forth from the different personalities in Moon Knight form. So he's got the, the superhero suit Moon Knight, and he's got the more business formal kind of suit version of Moon Knight. And it's got some funny elements because he's got the new, the new personality there learning that he has these powers and kind of fighting this, uh, jackal kind of thing that suddenly came to life and is, is coming at him. And, uh, so he's, 
he's like excited and like, oh my goodness, this is cool. And then he starts getting beat up and he's like, oh my goodness, I'm getting beat up. <laughs> so it's kind of funny, but it's also uh, exciting. And uh, he changes, you know, from one Moon Knight to the superhero Moon Knight. And then he, you know, finishes off the, va- the, the, the jackal kind of thing. And then that's like the first time them kind of working together. Very fun scene. Very entertaining. Okay, now for funniest TV show of 2022, uh, Moon Knight is a runner-up here. I thought that there's some really kind of funny elements in that, though they kept that one a little bit more serious. It's not like over-the-top comedy or anything. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is like, that's that's all that thing is, is just funniness, you know? Uh, the I Am Groot shorts, I'm kind of just counting in all of them as one kind of TV show-ish kind of thing. If you, you could call them short films, I guess. Um, but those were very fun and funny. Uh, Man vs. B, if you saw this on Netflix, uh, this is uh, Rowan Atkinson, uh, the guy who played Johnny English, the guy who played Mr. Bean. Uh, in here, he, he is taking care of a house. There's a bee in the house, and the bee is like messing with him, and he's like kind of destroying the house in order to try to, to kill this bee. And it's uh, very funny, very good. Uh, physical humor, very good slapstick kind of humor, uh, mostly good for kids. There's some like kind of gross out humor that I think maybe went a little bit too far, but, uh, but mostly good for like family type viewing too. I think, I, I think Rowan Atkinson is a, a genius at physical comedy. I think he is just absolutely genius at the slapstick style of comedy that he does and so I really enjoy him and so uh this is not his best thing his best thing is is the Johnny English movies but uh but this series was very fun uh Russian Doll was also a a pretty funny series uh this very dark humor at times in Russian Doll season two uh my pick for the funniest though is gonna go to Only Murders in the Building season two bringing it back very funny balancing some of the mystery kind of elements along with uh, very funny, kind of making fun of some of this kind of uh, crime drama kind of movies and stuff, and uh, very entertaining. Okay, the next category is uh, two categories that I just kind of combined into one. I used to have them as separate, and I just kind of combined them into one because they're very similar, though somewhat slightly different. I have the weirdest series and also the most uniquely creative series, which is, I, I guess, like the... Is, is saying most uniquely creative is like saying weirdest, but in a good way, you know, whereas weirdest can just be weird in a bad way. So the weirdest, but the one that's going to win is a weirdest that I really like. So, you know, I'm just combining these two categories. So what's some of these weird series? I think Moon Knight went very weird for the MCU, but definitely one of the weirdest things in the MCU, you know, with the, the talking hippo and where all that stuff happens. Uh, definitely some weird stuff going on in Moon Knight. Love, Death, and Robots always goes in some weird directions. That's kind of just its style. Uh, She-Hulk also pretty weird, some of the decision-making that they make in that series as far as the connection to the MCU and stuff. I guess I won't spoil it, but... Uh, some weird decisions in She-Hulk that I, I, I didn't necessarily like. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special bringing in Kevin Bacon, I think, is just a very b- weird thing that I... I <sighs> I guess I I didn't I, I wouldn't like this if it was in a movie. The fact that it's in this holiday special that's kind of just off to the side kind of thing. It makes it okay. It makes it kind of you know it's like okay, it's a fine, fun little thing. But at the same time, it's just kind of like a like what? <laughs> why why is this a thing? Uh, 
the Sandman definitely goes into some weird directions. Uh, definitely goes far into some sci-fi elements that I uh, that I enjoyed. Uh, my pick though here is going to be Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. This is Del Toro's uh, anthology series. This is like his version of the Twilight Zone, only much. Uh, darker, you know, I, I don't know, I guess Twilight Zone can get dark too. Uh, my own main, main experience with Twilight Zone is the new Twilight Zone series, which I, I don't particularly like. I think there's some fun elements in there, but it's super woke, and it's, uh, and the story, you know, the stories are pretty hit and miss. The stories in this are also kind of hit and miss, but, uh, it definitely... Definitely has some very weird stuff in here. Definitely has some, like, weird in, like, the Lovecraftian type sense. Weird in, like, the, uh... Oh, I don't even know what to compare some of this stuff to. That, that it's, it's just weird little different stories in the style of, like, the Twilight Zone. But they really push how weird some of the stuff in this series is. In a, in a way that I think really worked. is really cool. So that's my pick. Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. If you like... Uh, del Toro movies and stuff, check out his series. It's good stuff. Most thought-provoking series. Uh, so, a couple here. Uh, Russian Doll Season 2. I mean, just as far as the, the time travel, twisty, twimey-wimey kind of stuff going on in there. Definitely leaves you thinking about those kind of elements. Uh, Moon Knight, just as far as the the, the gods and the, the supernatural kind of stuff going on in there. And, and kind of uh, good and evil and how to, to handle all that. And it's uh, there, there's some interesting stuff going on in Moon Knight. My pick is... Gilmo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, because every one of these episodes is packed with this kind of interesting message or something packed in there. Not all that I agree with, but but also not like the the woke Twilight Zones that that are the new Twilight Zones anyway. That I I just find more obnoxious than anything. This has those messages, and that is like oh you know some interesting stuff in here about the nature of man or about the consequences of trying to to fit in uh, at whatever the cost and you know just all kinds of different ones every single episode has its own thing because it's very much an anthology kind of series uh some very interesting stuff going on in there so now to get to my favorite show what's the best show well, i'm gonna do countdown list top 10 up to what is my favorite TV show of 2022. So number 10, Love, Death, and Robots. Number 9, Ms. Marvel. Haven't even really mentioned that one yet, but a very uh, entertaining new Marvel series here. Uh, number 8, The Flight Attendant Season 2. Haven't mentioned this one yet either. Uh, very fun, very funny. Did this one end up on the funniest list? Did I mention this one? The Flight Attendant is a, a good comedy series here. Uh, number 7, Russian Doll Season 2. Uh, number 6, only Murders in the Building, Season 2. Uh, this is a series that's uh, Only Murders in the Building. The second season's not as good as the first season, in my opinion. The first season, very solid. The second season, not quite living up to that, but still a good, solid season. Uh, number 5, The Sandman. Uh, loved the, the first half of that. The second half's a little bit shoddy, a little bit... Not quite as good as the first half, in my opinion. Number 4, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities honestly probably my favorite anthology series i'm trying to think of another one that i like better uh really good number three werewolf at night fantastic man can we just make a series out of werewolf at night you know we can get rid of she hulk and, and just move in werewolf at night you know because uh, <laughs> i liked this episode 
Very much so. Uh, number two, Stranger Things 4. Absolutely fantastic. Another great season of Stranger Things here. And my number one is Moon Knight. I think just such a uh, phenomenal new entry into the MCU. This is one of the best things in Phase 4 of the MCU. Which is weird, the, the TV shows being kind of included in the phases in that way. Like they've, they've never been done before. But that's how they're doing it now. And uh, I think Moon Knight's one of the best things in phase four. Really, really good. All right, now it's movie time. Time to talk about my favorite movies of 2022. And I gotta say, this has been an abysmal year in movies. Just absolutely terrible. Uh, there has been no movies that, can... <laughs> you know, there's, the, there, there's movies that came out that I enjoyed, but like, Normally when I make the top 10 list of the year, there is several movies that I'm like, oh, these are absolutely going to end up on my top 10 list. And then I just have to figure out the order. And then it's only the last two or three on the top 10 list that is like, okay, you know, what are these going to be? And then I, I kind of, you know, okay, I, I look at my big list and I, I pull out some of the, the top ones there. That's not really the case for this year. This year, it was like my top three, basically, were the ones that I just knew were going to be on the list for sure. And then other than that, it was just kind of, <laughs> then I was pulling off the list of, you know, good movies and movies that I enjoyed, but not movies that really should be top 10 worthy per se um or if they are they're they're at the bottom of the top 10 worthy list of movies you know and so uh the the fact that a majority of the movies that came out this year that i liked fit more into that category you know and like there's not like a good amount of movies that was like yes you know i'm, I'm talking like good four out of five kind of movies but not the 4.5 or the five out of fives which is the ones that normally end up on the, the top of my list you know so this has not been a great year in movies just all that to say that but let's uh let's let's look at the the good movies well let's start off with the bad one first so I, I always have the negative one right here at the beginning movies that should have been awesome but unfortunately, it weren't. Halloween Ends should have been awesome. This should have been a great, you know, final conclusion to the Halloween series. But oh my goodness, they messed that up so hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can check out my full review if you want to hear me ranting about how much they messed this movie up. But uh, I enjoyed making that episode because that was... The, 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 what they did in this movie was so absurd, but, uh, yeah, Halloween ends should have been awesome, but it wasn't black, black Adam. I enjoyed it. I think it was a fun movie, but it, it could have been so much more than it was. It was just like a good, solid, fun movie, but it, it really could have been awesome. In my opinion, uh, avatar, the way of water, uh, People, this just got nominated for an Oscar. This got nominated for Best Picture. Like, what? What? <laughs> what? Okay. I mean, I know, like, people generally like it, but oh my goodness, seriously? This is very weird to me. Uh, fun, entertaining enough, but it's, it's in my opinion, it's, it's not really anything amazing other than, obviously, the visual spectacle is absolutely amazing. And some of the world building and stuff is really good. But, uh, but this is not, this is not Best Picture material. Come on, man. Uh, <laughs> Black Panther Wakanda Forever. This doesn't, th this is not my pick because I still did really enjoy this movie. It's a good movie. <sighs> I've seen it twice now and I was thinking, okay, maybe if I watch it again, I can get over some of the hurdles that I had the first time watching it and maybe a little bit, you know, I, I kind of accept it a little bit more as the movie that it's trying to be instead of the movie that it should have been. But I watched this movie and I go, why 
is Black Panther, not in this movie. Why did we not recast Chazwick Bozeman? You can go listen to my review of Black Panther if you want to hear me talk more about that. But I, I, I think that what they did was a big disservice to this movie and a big disservice to the MCU as a whole. That said, I did really enjoy this movie. That's why it, uh, it doesn't end up as my pick. My pick here is Morbius. I think Morbius could have been awesome. I think this could have been great because Morbius is a really interesting character. And unlike someone like Venom, he's a character you can very easily separate from Spider-Man because Morbius is a character that is, you know, he is already kind of the anti-hero-ish kind of character. He doesn't want to be a bad guy, but suddenly he's thirsting for people's blood and he wants to cure himself and all this kind of stuff. You have all the elements of a good movie. You have all the elements elements of a great story and there's good stories with him in the comics that I've read and really enjoyed even solo stuff with him in the comics that I've read and really enjoyed and uh, that unfortunately this just doesn't deliver it it just to me it just delivered a very mediocre kind of movie and to other people it, it seemed like the people were very negative on this movie, <laughs> so uh, understandable, I suppose. But uh, but the, the the Morbius should have been awesome. It could have been great, but uh, it it wasn't, unfortunately. But now let's get to the positives here, okay? So we got the best hero. Who's the best hero of the year? So some runner-ups here. Uh, Hercule Perot from Death on the Nile. I, I very much like this detective character that he plays here. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, M'Baku from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. My favorite character in that movie, probably. Actually, I, I uh, well, yeah. My favorite my favorite hero in that movie. I, I, I was like, man, why couldn't he have become Black Panther? He's such an entertaining character here. I really like this guy. But my favorite hero slash protagonist here, my favorite hero of 2022 is the Batman from Batman, of course. How are you gonna not have Batman as the best hero of the year? Oh my goodness. Robert Pattinson really coming in and just nailing this role really, really well. Just, ah, really good stuff. Uh, best villain of the year. So the runner-ups here, uh, you got the Riddler from the Batman. I think he was absolutely fantastic, though maybe a bit underused. Uh, Gore the God Butcher from Thor Love and Thunder is fantastic. Like, he so nails this role. He elevates this role way beyond what it would have been if it was any other actor. Oh my goodness. Like, the Gore the God Butcher is like, he's one of the best villains in the MCU, basically. And it's in the goofy Thor movie. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy. Tim Roth in Resurrection, a, a movie where he plays like a stalker. Uh, very creepy and unnerving kind of character here. Uh, but my pick here is from Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Namor is such a fantastic villain. Like, I, I love this guy in the villain role. I could totally see if they want to make a movie with him in the more kind of hero, anti-hero kind of role. I would be down for that. Are we going to do that, Marvel? I want to see that. But he would play the villain role in this movie, and I very much enjoyed it. I, th- I thought he did such a fantastic job at uh, portraying this king-like character that just wants to take care of his people, and he, he's... He, he is trying to do the right thing. He's trying to be the good noble king. And he, he there's certain things that he's doing where he's like, he's obviously trying, trying to be the good guy. And then, he, you know, through, he's like, okay, because you're pushing me here, because you're pushing me there, I'm going to be the bad guy here because this is what it takes for, for me to be good for my country and stuff. You know, it's like, oh, okay, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Good, uh, 
some good storytelling in there with with Black Panther, despite my issues with that movie. And uh, he's honestly he's like my favorite character in the movie. I was gonna say Mbaku is my favorite character. I said Mbaku is my favorite hero because I think Namor is my favorite character in Wakanda Forever. Best supporting cast of characters, so the characters surrounding the main character there. Uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, uh, making the. Well, should I spoil who the Black Panther is? You know, I, I, th I feel like everybody kind of knows at this point, but I, I guess I won't say it. But having all the characters uh, around that character, like M'Baku, uh, like Namor, like uh, was Lapido Nuanga's character, like Everett Ross, uh, like the, you know, a whole bunch of these characters that are just some really solid characters surrounding the main cast here. Also, the Batman, uh, you know, you got Gordon, you got Penguin, you got all the these great characters that really build this movie up. Uh, but my pick here is going to be for uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness just because they they brought in so many crazy kooky characters in here because of all the multiverse stuff. So I guess spoilers for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But bringing in like Mr. Fantastic, Black Bolt, uh, Professor X, and, and all these kind of different characters here on top of the on top of having Scarlet Witch in this one and on top of the already existing characters in the Doctor Strange universe like Wong and those kind of characters. It just, like, added uh, a lot of fun stuff to this movie. Uh, good stuff, yeah. Good, best supporting cast of characters. I'm going to give it to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Best cameo. So, I guess, spoilers for cameos in these movies. Uh, yeah, so, uh, just as you hear the movies come up, if you don't want to hear a cameo, none of these, except for maybe one, are, are actually spoilers for the movie. Eh, maybe two. Anyway, Uncharted has a Nolan North cameo, which is great. Uh, just Nolan North popping up in there, who was the original uh, player of Nathan Drake. He who played Nathan Drake in the video games. He pops up in the just on the beach in the in the movie, which is great. Joker almost popped up in the Batman movie. You know, that's a deleted scene, so I guess technically it doesn't count for the cameo. But he almost popped up in the Batman movie. Look up the deleted scene with Joker popping up in the Batman. Very interesting stuff there. Vulture popping up in Morbius, more setting up that universe has me curious. Uh, though I think that honestly could have been more well done. Top Gun Maverick having uh, Val Kilmer in there has a great sequence that that kind of brings some good heart to this, uh, but is essentially just a cameo uh black adam this is the one that's kind of a spoiler for a character popping up in black adam here superman plops up at the end of black adam very cool uh, just a cameo kind of role but very cool and my pick and my pick's also kind of a spoiler i guess doctor strange in the multiverse of madness has a Professor X cameo. Like, it, it, he has maybe a little bit bigger of a role than just cameo, but it's basically cameo-type material uh, <laughs> popping up in here. Patrick Stewart in the floating wheelchair and then has, like, a mind battle with Wanda and dies is just, like, an amazing little cameo. And and, and then playing, like, the dur -dur 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 kind of music when he pops up. Fantastic, man. Like, such a great, fun cameo. And it's one of those things where in theaters... When he popped up, people were like, yeah, in the theater, which is like a really kind of a cool thing. 
Best action scene. Okay, uh, so the gray man had a fantastic action scene where he's like chained to a bench and there's a shootout going on and he has to get off from getting chained to the bench. And then he's on top of a train and he like shoots a guy through the top of the train. It's really cool. Uh, <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once has some very cool action sequences. Uh, Black Adam, when Black Adam first wakes up and is just like wrecking shop, that is really cool. And a good use of like slow-mo kind of battling, I think. Uh, the Northmen, the the scene in The Northmen where they are invading the village and he has like, he, he's got the, the spirit of the wolf or, or whatever in the world that he like worships some demon or something and got demon possessed. But uh, that's what I, what I think about that. And then he goes in there and he is just beating the tar out of people and it's just a very good action sequence. Mostly like a one take kind of action sequence, which is cool. My uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness has a sequence. He uses musical notes to fight. And so he's like, he, he takes those musical notes and they make those sounds as an impact to go and hit the the villain. And then the villain makes strums a, a harp and that those sounds go over and it's this musical fight that is very unique, very... It, the, the kind of thing that you could almost only have as a Doctor Strange type fight, and it is very cool, very fun. Uh, but my number one pick is from Thor Love and Thunder. I love the sequence where they go into the black and white world, and they go onto the planet that is very small, and you can like see the curvature of the planet as they're just walking around on it, and then Gore the God Butcher is there, and the only light that is shining is from the magical weapons, and it's just the way it kind of reflects everything, makes it very visually cool, and then there's monsters coming in, and then Thor's focused on gore, and it's just this this great, great sequence that is really, really cool. Best monster movie. Okay. Thor Love and Thunder doesn't exactly count, but it does actually have quite a few interesting monsters and stuff that pop up in there that I that I enjoyed in that movie. Uh, the Invitation having some kind of creature feature type stuff going on in there. Uh, Barbarian. If you want to call that a monster movie, it, it, there's like some monster movie elements in there. Certainly, it's a bizarre movie that I that I enjoyed. Uh, Day shift vampire movie, uh, fun, not anything outstanding, but a, a fun kind of vampire movie with Jamie Fox. Uh, my pick though for favorite monster movie here is Nope. Jordan Peele making a, a really solid UFO type movie that that. Uh, I didn't like the ending to that movie, but but most of that movie just absolutely fantastic, and the UFO coming in, very uh, interesting. I, I think they did a really good job at making UFOs uh, scary again, making them like intriguing again, you know, because we've seen a million UFOs in a million movies, you know, and so to make it like where you're scanning the skies looking for this UFO and kind of having that awe and wonder, I think he did a really good job at that in Nope. It was really good. Now we're going on to the scariest movie. What is the scariest movie of 2022? So best horror movie here. Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Not scariest, but uh, but has some other horror type elements in there. About as strong as we've seen in the MCU, which is is pretty cool there. Uh, Barbarian, definitely very intense. Uh, good stuff there. The Invitation, not overly scary, I wouldn't say, but definitely has some of those, you know, intense, scary kind of elements in there. Orphan, First Kill, almost more thriller maybe than horror for Orphan, First Kill, but definitely a sequel to a horror movie. What is a Woman? Does that count for scariest? Oh my goodness, 
looking at our country today and what people think and believe is insane. Uh, <laughs> but, but the scariest movie of the year is going to go to Smile. Because this movie, this movie I thought was really creepy. Like, I, watching the trailers to this, I did not think it was going to be as effective as it was. But man, watching that movie, I'm like, dude, they they did something there that I thought was really creepy. And there's there's like some moments in that movie. There There's a moment where... Uh, where where the main character is in her house alone and she looks over and just kind of you just kind of barely see it in the shadows of the house there's this girl standing there with this big the creepy smile that is then the name of the movie and you can just like it's, it's the kind of thing where you just barely make it out in the shadows and it is like it's so effective because it's the kind of thing where it's like it's what you see out of the corner of your eye at night or something when you just like you know you go oh my goodness did I see something and no it wasn't or oh it's the coat on the chair or whatever that kind of thing it's like playing on that kind of thing but making a really creepy scene out of it and i thought that was very effective and so yeah that smile gets my scariest movie of the year award uh all right funniest movie of the year we can throw what is a woman in this category too that movie is absolutely hilarious i mean dude it's a documentary and it's like terrifying to see the type of stuff people are saying but uh but also man some of the stuff people are saying has me cracking up while watching what is a woman very funny uh everything everywhere all at once very funny very absurdist uh thor love and thunder definitely has some funny stuff definitely uh, in the vein of thor ragnarok and stuff Violent Night. Uh, this is Santa Claus being the the BA superhero kind of <laughs> character, and uh, you know, okay, cool. He's <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, Bullet Train definitely has some some funny sequences. Good kind of action comedy there. Uh, Glass Onion definitely has some funny parts in it. Um, my pick though is the unbearable weight of massive talent. This is Nicolas Cage playing himself as he goes to uh, entertain some rich guy on an island played by a Pedro Pascal and uh, very fun movie definitely uh, has some heart in there too and uh, yeah very fun very funny I, I really enjoyed that I, I thought it was a, a surprisingly good movie for uh, I don't know I guess I wasn't expecting way too much out of it but I was like yeah that's pretty good most uniquely creative slash weirdest so we're back to the some of the weirdest stuff here uh moonfall i think just w the, they deciding that hey you guess what the moon is not actually the moon but there's like some alien spaceship type stuff with the moon that's just like what very weird idea for a disaster movie uh and pretty fun honestly uh doctor strange in the multiverse of madness always pushing the the most weirdest stuff that we're seeing in the mcu uh Spiderhead, some weird sci-fi kind of concepts going on in that movie. Prey, not so much that it's a super weird Prey, but I, I do think it is very creative, the, uh, them going back to uh, that time period in order to set a Predator film there, you know, back in the, the time of the Indians in early America, pre-America kind of America there. Very good idea. Barbarian definitely goes down some very, very weird areas this this very much could have won on almost any other year uh but it didn't win uh the menu i think is a very strange concept that i think is executed on somewhat well for part of the movie uh, <laughs> halloween ends just as far as it's so weird to me the directions that they went with that movie that i'm just going what 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 are you doing doesn't make any sense that the, that is very much the negative kind of weird for sure the unbearable weight of massive talent, I think, is just, it's a weird concept. 
concept in the first place of having Nicolas Cage playing this wacky version of himself and stuff. Uh, Resurrection, this is a this is the Stalker movie, I believe I mentioned it earlier. Uh, but that that movie, what should just be a somewhat typical Stalker kind of movie, they take it in some surreal, bizarre kind of directions. And uh, that I was not expecting going into that movie. Uh, but the honestly, that I thought was was kind of cool. But my pick here is, the what, I mean, what's the weirdest and the most creative movie of the year? I think both of those definitely, that goes to everything, everywhere, all at once. This movie is weird, surrealist kind of stuff going on. And it's, it's just, it pushes the limit for just the dumbest, weirdest stuff. But also, like, kind of making it somewhat believable or making it somewhat... Uh, so making it a, a human connection there enough that you can kind of connect to the characters and, and follow the story and follow this through line. And it, it works on a more mass appeal kind of scale, I think, than a movie that gets this weird has any right of, of working, you know? Uh, so yeah, I, everything, everything, were all, all at once, very weird, very creative, and uh, pretty fun, though terrible thematically. Th thematically, very bad. Uh, best world building. Uh, Moonfall, I actually think, had some good world building going on in there. Jurassic World domination, as far as uh, bringing together the older Jurassic World movies and the newer ones, kind of connecting those some more, I think is fairly well done. Lord Thor, or I don't think it's well done, actually. I didn't think that movie was was good, but I think that the, the world building in that movie is fairly well done. Um... Thor, Love, and Thunder, uh, building out the gods and the, the whole, uh, the, the, just tons of other gods introducing way more other gods, introducing potential new things for the future of the Thor movies, assuming that there's going to be more Thor movies. That seems like it's kind of up in question now with stuff going on with Chris Hemsworth, but they definitely opened up the pantheon of gods way more in this one. Uh, Black Adam definitely trying to expand the DC universe some, though it doesn't seem like it worked because now we're getting like a reboot of the DC universe, I guess. It's kind of confusing. I'm not 100% sure, but I guess it's a reboot. Uh, Avatar The Way of the Water, that the, the world building and the visuals basically are the best thing about this movie. And so, uh, yeah, that that definitely fits in here. But my, my pick for the best world building does go to everything, everywhere, all at once. Just because, like, how much more world building can you get? Because this is, it's not just world building, it's like universe building and like many, many universe buildings where you see uh, different universes with the same kind of stuff going on and to, to every crazy extent, like, they, they push this way, way further than Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and stuff as far as going to so many different universes showing you so many different weird kind of variations of the same similar kind of stuff and stuff. Uh, very, very good in the world building department. Most thought-provoking movie. Okay, Shut In, the Daily Wire movie there that definitely has some kind of biblical themes and some kind of rebirth kind of imagery and stuff going on in this movie. Uh, kind of a repentance of sin and, and rebirth kind of thematic stuff going on in this movie that's that's shockingly good, you know, I guess it's coming from Daily Wire, who, who is specifically trying to make movies that have a more wholesome kind of thematic stuff going on, so it's like, okay, good, there, um, but yeah, yeah, good stuff there, uh, everything, everywhere, all, all at once, definitely leaves you thinking, it's, uh, it, it kind of has a everything is meaningless, no hope, just have fun while you can kind of 
uh, worldview that is is very very bad. Uh, but it definitely left me thinking about their worldview and uh, leaving me grateful that I do not believe that and that there is a God that is a good God and is <laughs> you know grateful for Jesus and oh my goodness that there is hope and redemption and everything like oh my goodness so thank God. Uh, <laughs> the world is not everything everywhere all at once. You know the Northmen. Uh, probably not for the reasons that they're thinking, uh, but uh, I thought it was very thought-provoking as far as the the supernatural stuff that they portray in this movie and me thinking, you know what, with all the berserkers and stuff that I learned about in history, there was probably like demon possession and stuff going on there. And the, the this movie kind of connecting some of that stuff in my mind going, oh yeah, you know, there probably was some of that kind of stuff going on there. Interesting. Okay. Resurrection has some good thematic or interesting thematic stuff about the effects of, of trauma and stuff like that. Uh, uh, what is a woman? Just a, I mean, this could almost be the the pick just because it's a documentary, but it almost feels like a cheat for the pick. I don't know. Uh, but just looking at our world today and kind of some of the the madness going on in the world today, as far as uh, people literally cannot define the word woman because that would go against the LGBTQ agenda and stuff. And so they have to basically pretend like, Hey, you know what? We don't know what a woman is because it can be whatever you want it to be kind of thing. And it's just absurd and out outrageous and insane. Definitely a good documentary. Um, yeah, but my most thought provoking I'm going to pick is the Batman. Very thematically heavy and, uh, very much a movie that is trying to get you to think about some of these themes that it's it's addressing throughout the movie. Themes about vengeance, about hope, and about justice, and about uh, where those things meet or and or diverge, you know? And uh, yeah, very well done. Definitely left me thinking. And definitely some very interesting kind of biblical kind of imagery that happens in the Batman that I think is very interesting. Now, the next two categories are kind of similar. I have potential classic and potential cult classic. These categories, like I said earlier, the, these movies, the, this is a bad year in movies. And so potential classic, I mean, I could say the Batman, which I think will be a classic, like, uh, you know, superhero movie maybe, but I don't know that it's going to be a classic movie per se. Everything everywhere all at once. But again, I... I I don't necessarily see this being a classic movie down the road, really. I'm just going to say no for classic movies. Is there going to be any classic movies from this year? Uh, no, just not really. <laughs> That's my pick. Uh, but as far as potential cult classics, there's a few here that I think could make it. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, I think, definitely could be a cult classic just because it's Nicolas Cage being weird and also the whole idea of the movie is weird because it's him being himself, you know? So it's like, I think all that had just that whole idea has the potential to make it a cult classic and plus the fact that it's a it's a fun movie the menu just a very strange idea for a movie of this chef that brings these people together and then is like hey <laughs> i'm gonna kill you now and it's just like oh, okay that's very strange but my pick is gonna be barbarian is this is this big enough to just be a normal classic i don't know this seems more cult classic-y to me because it's just they just push the envelope of just weird wtf type stuff going on and this just what intarnation is going on in this movie you know that's just like wh why what 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 uh it's just very 
uh, weird, but in a in a kind of a creepy and a cool way that ultimately ultimately I really enjoyed for the most part. I didn't like the ending of this movie quite as much either, but for the most part, I really enjoyed Barbarian, and I think it definitely has that kind of cult classic kind of flavor to it, you know? <laughs> uh, best documentary. This is the first time I've ever had this category here, but I've actually watched a few documentaries this year, probably more documentaries this year than I've watched in a single year in my life, you know? Uh, so <laughs> so I'll go through them here. Uh, Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. Very much enjoyed this. If you like Johnny Cash, this is a good Johnny Cash movie about Johnny Cash's uh, redemption, his, his salvation coming to Christ later Later on in life, uh, he, I guess he started out in like a kind of a Christian home. And then when he left and did his own music, he was very, very much living a secular worldly lifestyle, drugs, women, all that kind of stuff. And then this, this story is kind of him coming back and, and like finding Jesus again, you know? And it's like, okay, th that's, that's pretty cool. It's a, it's a cool story. And, uh, him going on a tour with Billy Graham and stuff like I had no idea that Johnny Cash did that. That's really cool. And uh, yeah, I, I'm just a fan of Johnny Cash already. And seeing this kind of stuff is like, that's that's really cool. It's, it sounds like, you know, ultimately he came to Christ and he was very uh, passionate about spreading the word of Jesus, which is very cool. 2000 Mules. This is a documentary about election integrity in the 2020 uh, election and uh, and some of the the ballot harvesting and and stuff that they uh, got there. There's some video evidence and stuff. There's a lot of good information in here if you're curious about uh, the 2020 election and and all that kind of stuff. 2000 Mules is a good one to check out. Uh, the greatest lie ever sold. This is uh, Candace Owens documentary on Daily Wire about uh, Black Lives Matter and about George Floyd and that whole situation that was going down in what 2019 2020 type time period and uh so that that's a good this is also a good one with a lot of good uh, information if you're curious about more into that and about where like where the money went for example that the all the money that was donated to black lives matter she has the breakdown of where all that money went and I guess what it wasn't really going to help black people, you know. So I'm just gonna say that. Uh, so anyway, uh, so that one was good too. Uh, but my pick here is for the best documentary of the year is What Is a Woman. This is honestly probably my favorite documentary of all time. This is like so well done. Like to me, the the genius of What Is a Woman is that it's not necessarily it, it's not really an agenda pushing movie. Obviously, it has an agenda. Everybody has an agenda. Everything has an agenda. That's just the way the world works, right? So that's, that's not really what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is it's not so much that this movie is Matt Walsh, who is the, the, at the center of this movie, who, who created this movie. Uh, it, the movie is not so much Matt Walsh going, Hey, a woman is, you know, this person, this is what a woman is. You all are crazy. W what he does is he interviews a bunch of people. He interviews, you know, the, the, all the really supposedly really intelligent people. He interviews, you know, doctors, he interviews scientists, he interviews gender transitioning people. He interviews uh, abortionists and he interviews all these different people and trying to get them to answer the question of what is a woman he interviews Jordan Peterson in that movie too I think trying to get them to answer what is a woman and trying to you know ask some of these questions surrounding the LGBT and some surrounding some of these and he barely puts his own input into this movie most of this movie is simply him asking the questions and them answering in 
insane ways because they they have to answer in insane ways to make the internal logic of the LGBT and all the, the trans stuff and all this kind of stuff to make it work. They have to answer in these insane ways. But when they have to when they get confronted with their own insanity of him asking these questions and stuff they they kind of uh, crumble under pressure i guess and just answer in these insane ways and it kind of exposes the truth not by us pointing it out and saying hey that's bad or that's stupid but by them trying to explain their position and failing miserably because their position is so poor and i think that that's kind of the genius of what is a woman it is hilarious and it is also, like, disgusting and horrifying. Uh, yeah, best documentary of the year by far. A couple more, then we'll get to the top ten list here. Most underrated slash overlooked movie. So, uh, yeah, a few here. Uh, Spiderhead came out on Netflix. It doesn't seem like very many people talked about that, but if you like some good, weird sci-fi kind of stuff, Spiderhead is fun. Uh, the Gray Man... It didn't seem like a lot of people talked about The Gray Man. I thought this movie was great. Uh, the, like, this movie was fantastic. This is one of the best movies of the year, in my opinion. I didn't pick it because it's not... I guess it's not the most overlooked. It came out on Netflix. It had a somewhat big release. But it's not like... Like, I haven't heard about a sequel to this. But it seems like this should be a new franchise for Ryan Gosling going forward here. That's what I think this should be. But I don't know if that's going to happen or not, you know? Beast, if you like a good man uh, versus nature type of story, this is about a father and his two daughters fending off a lion, trying to escape a lion in an African safari. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. It's pretty fun, exciting, you know? Uh, the Invitation, a kind of a secret underground uh, remake of an older classic monster movie. If you want to figure out which monster movie that I'm referring to, uh, check out my previous episode where I uh, catched up on all the movies from 2022 that I didn't review on the show. Uh, I reveal which one it is on there in case you're curious. And then Resurrection, uh, which is a stalker kind of movie, a woman getting stalked by a dude. And also Watcher, which is also a woman getting stalked by a dude kind of movie. Both good kind of creepy paranoia paranoia kind of thrillers that I think are really well done. I think the one I think is most overrated or underlooked or whatever you want to say here, underrated that is, uh, Orphan First Kill. I, I thought this was a good prequel to the original Orphan movie, and I think that uh, I think that pulling off this pre prequel in particular, prequels are tough in general, I think, to make, like, really good. Like, how many prequels do you know that are like, oh my goodness, that was, like, almost as good as the original or anything? You know, like, a really good prequel, I think, is hard to pull off just by nature. You know, you kind of know what's coming and stuff. It changed things up and it made things different so that you don't just know what's coming and stuff. And it, it made it really work good for a prequel to the first orphan and it said this kind of movie i don't even think this came out in theaters this was just like a straight to dvd type release but if you liked the first orphan definitely check out our orphan first kill like I, I thought it was a really solid prequel to that original movie uh yeah well done all right and finally before the top 10 list here uh, i got best score slash soundtrack okay so the runners up here uh, uncharted
suppose this could just be me saying, hey, I like the theme from the game, which is also here in this movie, but I, I think this has a good kind of adventurous kind of sound to the, the, the score in here. Uh, smile. Smile has like a good, uh, creepy, unnerving kind of, it's very kind of a distorted sounds kind of thing, but it's, it's the kind of thing where when you're hearing it and in the context of the movie, it's just, it makes it very unnerving and not quite right. And, and you just, it, it gives you that unnerving gut feeling that this movie wants to give you. So it's, yeah, it's well done. Uh, Glass Onion, another runner up. stringy, very uh, kind of classic or orchestral type sound to this, uh, very similar to the first movie in that respect. Uh, it kind of has a, a air of inquisitiveness, if, if you can say that, about it. music. I don't know. The, the music has ways of, of displaying emotions uh, to an extent that I have a hard time quite understanding, uh, but, but this has that kind of air of inquisitiveness that Blanc has, that the, the main character of this movie has, and it just kind of works and fits in here really well. A really fun soundtrack. Uh, but my, my pick here... My number one is the Batman. The Batman has this great, haunting, dark score that is just kind of this this droning, mood-setting piece that is just really well done. And the Batman, the theme of it is just great. You know, whenever you know, Batman shows up or whatever, it's got that... That that's theme to it is just really well done and just just fantastic, absolutely fantastic score in the Batman. I'm a good the the score in the Dark Knight movies were fantastic, and this one it's right up there with those in my opinion. Just absolutely fantastic score for the Batman. Uh, all right, so now onto the top ten list. So uh, running down the top ten, number ten, shut in a good little solid thriller there. Uh, number nine, Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, 
I think underrated as far as the MCU stuff goes, I suppose, because a lot of people seem to be hating on this one. I think it was better than Thor Ragnarok, honestly. Uh, number eight, the unbearable weight of massive talent, a good, fun, but also heart-filled comedy movie there. Uh, number seven, Watcher. So this is a good paranoid thriller kind of movie. I think they do a really good job at... Uh, really getting the paranoia across of somebody stalking you. Number six, Smile, a good, solid horror movie. As I said earlier, the scariest movie of the year. There's a few things in it that I don't necessarily like, but for the most part, a really good, solid horror movie. Uh, number five, Barbarian, uh, absolutely insane and bizarre, weird, weird thing. Uh, <laughs> number four, Nope a good alien movie. Uh, you know, I guess this is Jordan Peele doing it again, though honestly, this is probably my least favorite of his three movies so far. And again, if you remember what I said back at the at the beginning here, uh, my top three, really, these are the three that I was like, I know these are going to end up on the list here. The rest of these could kind of be moved around a little bit, probably. These top three are like, these are the top three of this year uh, by far, and these are the ones, you know? So number three, what is a woman? Who would have thought a documentary would have ended up on the list? I wouldn't have. And honestly, when I when I was like, okay, this is definitely going to be on the list. It's probably going to be a little bit lower, though. But when I'm looking at all these movies, I'm like, dude, this movie is really phenomenal. Probably my favorite documentary of all time. And uh, yeah, just really good stuff. <laughs> and very informative, very uh, necessary for the world today, I think. Uh, number two. The Gray Man, uh, just a, a fantastic, fun action movie. In my opinion, this is like another John Wick style movie where it's like, this is just a phenomenal action movie that everybody should watch and that there should be sequels of. But I don't know if we're getting them. I hope we are because The Gray Man's fantastic. But my number one, Obviously, if you if you've been listening and if you know you know it's it's Batman. The Batman is my favorite movie of 2022. Just fantastic. A great new version of Batman. Great villains in here with Penguin and with Riddler and uh, setting up this universe, getting it ready for the next movie that he's already working on the next Batman movie. Dude, it's just such a phenomenal take on Batman. I just I love it. I love it so much. Uh yeah, by far my favorite movie of 2022. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's hardly even close if I'm being honest. The Batman is awesome. <laughs> what is your favorite movie of 2022? Shoot me an email, Reviews Podcast at gmail.com, and you can let me know there. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all for this time. Coming up, I will have, uh, my, uh, favorite music of the year. I kind of wanted to do something a little bit different with that, so, uh, I'm just gonna, uh, kind of bump it off into its own episode and you know if, if you're into the music stuff you can check that episode out and if you're not it's all good you can just skip on to the next episode or what not thanks so much for listening thanks so much for listening for another year you know it's been another 2022 and now we're going into 2023 so thanks for listening y'all are cool and uh yeah that's it this is david at helix reviews signing out bye bye guys